Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 115 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson with Kurt Mortensen here as usual. We've got a great show planned out for you today. Kurt, how was your weekend? Did you make it through okay? Did you go see a movie? We did do that, but it was uh, lame. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't let him get away with it. I mean, air it out to our billions of listeners what lame movie you went to. All right, here it is. Social validation in the negative way. It was... The choice of my children, because I wanted to go see the James Bond movie, but it, yeah, Hotel Transylvania too. <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you're trying way too hard. You're just milking the first one. I mean, the first one was decent. I didn't mind seeing the first one because a lot of these have adult humor. They're a lot of fun for everyone. This one, um, no, not a lot of fun for anyone. It was pretty terrible. You know, I grew up on Adam Sandler, and he's just selling out lately. Yeah, they tried a little too hard. That script wasn't there. It was very predictable. Got a good nap. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Jay Moman did some more housework. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to go see Bond. I was in Vegas on business, but didn't have time. Ate, ate a bunch of good food. Didn't get to see Bond. But I think I'll, I'll go check it out this weekend. I mean, how can you not go see Bond? you got to see Bond. But if you go to Vegas and don't eat good food, I think that's a sin. That doesn't stay in Vegas, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> but it's Sin City, man. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, right. I guess you're supposed to. Got to eat good food. I'm off to Orlando tomorrow, so I'll, there's good food there, but it's also such a major tourist trap that uh, makes your head spin. Uh, more tourist trappy than Vegas? You know, I think in a lot of ways it is. At least in Vegas, you can find little pockets of sanity. In Orlando, with your tourists, it just gets you in every direction. Yeah, it's true. It's true. that They're both just professional shakedown cities, that's for sure. Yeah, you just figure out what you plan on spending and multiply it by 10. That'll be about right. The top three, Orlando, Vegas, and Anaheim, <laughs> right? Yeah. New York City, I'll put that category, too, because you just leave New York City with, like, I spent $40 on a salad. What, 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 just, <laughs> what just happened here? Something that's not right. <laughs> I was there a couple of months ago and went to the top of the Empire State Building on a Friday night, which was a mistake. Yeah. Because you just could not even get any room or see anything when you're up top. There's just too many people. But, yeah, they shake you down all the way to the top of that thing. In every direction. Yeah, you should have gone to the new Freedom Tower. That's open now for business. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's officially open. You can go to the top. Oh, nice. Well, there we go. We're going to do that next time then. There you go. Well, I was tired of riding the subway around, so. <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, that's good fast. stuff, Kurt. There we go. <laughs> Onward and upward. Let's yep. do it. Terrible advice, as usual, from both of us on the show. So why don't we get to what we came to talk about today? And we actually got a piece of listener email that kind of uh, prompted a lot of the topic from the show today because it was a, a good question. You know, most of the questions that we get are, hey, how can I make more money? <laughs> right? How could I do this thing? And, and this was interesting because this uh, listener that sent this mail in has a social problem that he needs to get over. It's not his own social life. It's it's kind of a social issue that faces us, us all. So we thought it'd be very interesting to address that today on the show. And Kurt even had an article in the holster all about it, ready to go. I mean, he, he's got something ready for everything with some <laughs> kind of very obscure journal this time. Well, every time, but this time it's very obscure. I yawned just hearing the name. <laughs> Kurt, what do you have for us? 
Well, this will be your Christmas present this year. It is the journal. I hope you're sitting down. It's called Group Processes and Intergroup Relations. I mean, it just makes you want to sing and dance just hearing that title. I know yeah, listeners, if that, that made you yawn, just tweet at us at Influence Max because it really right. made me yawn. <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't have to play Urkel. But anyway, here's the article. No, I'll get you <laughs> next time. <laughs> I found this when I was doing research for the second edition of Maxim Influence because it's interesting with you know group processes, relationships, what's happening, and signage actually this one's interesting the title of this article is do not litter signs can be counterproductive and we've seen them no graffiti don't litter keep off the grass clean up after your dog any country you go to you see these signs and you'll look around and like well the sign's not working too well because no one's listening they work well in singapore they work very well in singapore because of the punishment (laughs) they will cane you they don't allow it to happen so that's a whole nother thing as far as the consequence because most of these places really no consequence especially other people have done it, and the thing Singapore has going for it, it's already clean, and that's what this article is talking about. They're finding out in this study that under certain circumstances that these signs have the opposite effect. What they found is if, if rules are clearly spelled out, but then you note that other people are disregarding them, then you're more likely to break them, and that's yeah. what they did. So here's the study. They put a flyer on these bikes. It said, Happy Holidays. It was for this fictional sportswear shop, and you know, it's always annoying to get something in your car or on a bike. They just want to see what they would do with them. In the studies, there's two things that they did. One is litter everywhere, and the other one was clean. And they found out when it was clean and other people were obeying the sign, 53% of the people took the flyers with them. But when there were things everywhere, like soda cans, flyers, plastic bags, only 39% did it. And so there's a direct mm-hmm. correlation. If you're going to use signage, Make sure the verbiage is right, number one. And number two, make sure everyone's applying to that because they did it also with graffiti. So if there was a sign that says, do not graffiti, and there was graffiti, they were more likely to litter again just because people weren't obeying it. And so they took a look at this. They said, hey, when you're going to put up a sign forbidding something, you got to make sure that you've cleaned up the area or that everybody else is obeying. And that makes a huge difference. And that's the difference. And you mentioned Singapore. Yeah, people obey. It says do not litter. There is no litter. And so that's why it works. And there's also the consequence factor, too. So that was an interesting thing that goes right in line with this listener email as far as putting up a sign and getting the opposite results. Mm. (laughs) Reverse psychology. What do you know, right? Mm -hmm. That's hard because you made the point that Singapore is already clean. And so you have to clean it up in order to get it there. But if people keep littering while you're cleaning it up, it's just, that's a tall order. Yeah. And sometimes it's that embedded command where with our children say, don't walk in the street or don't be dumb or don't crash, right? The embedded command is the exact opposite. So sometimes we're actually planting a seed for people to litter or to do these things versus saying it the right way. Like that university in uh, Boulder, it said, don't walk on the grass, don't walk on the grass with the embedded command, walk on the grass. And what they did to change the perception, because all the students were walking on the grass, said, give Earth a chance. (laughs) So, you know, kind of hokey, kind of cheesy, high lactose on that one, but it changes perspective, number one, and number two, it has the right word choice. Well, that kind of thing is going to kill it in Boulder. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And it's where you do it. Other places, no, uh, not going to do it. But yeah. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Got to know your audience. Exactly. <laughs> now that we've offended the people of Boulder, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any, anybody from Boulder is listening. That's <laughs> true. I, I so, dare you to write us and scold us. Right. We want to hear from you from Boulder, Colorado. Let us know you're being more persuasive. That's right. <laughs> 
let's kind of tee that up for our listener mail that uh, we, we found this to be interesting. You know, we get a lot of it. We can put some of it on the show. To every now and then one grabs us and we want to feature it. So this one's from Peyton R. And he had a pretty interesting email written to us. I can't read all of it. It's it's pretty long as he <laughs> as he apologizes for in the email. But says, hi, Stephen Kirk. Couldn't come up with a subject line that would create a FOMO, but hopefully you open this and are reading it. I listen to your podcast regularly. We can tell he references FOMO. I mean, that's, that's right. That's podcast. But does he know what stuff. FOMO Mofongo was? That's the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He better know what FOMO Mofongo is. Got to go to a previous episode for that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. I listen to your podcast regularly, and I have an issue that I hope you guys can help me with. I recently moved to a new house that sits at an intersection of a pretty busy highway. I love everything about it except for one thing. People seem to be drawn to throwing their trash out the window in our front yard. I pick up any trash as soon as I see it, as the broken windows theory tells me that even one piece of trash makes it easier for the next person to litter. But I'm still having to pick up trash on a daily basis. My only consolation is that I tell myself maybe one of the cars passing by right now can use this as the teachable moment. See there, son? That's what happens when you litter. Some lady has to go out and walk along the street to pick up your trash. So he's tried a lot of things here, a lot of different wording. There have been different littering campaigns like in Canada and L.A. You know, littering says a lot about you or littering says a lot about you. You're lazy. He's trying to get a new sign rolled out to do something here, but he's a little bit stuck on the wording. I don't know. Depending on maybe where he lives, he can take a page out of uh, University of Colorado. What do you think, Kurt? I mean, is there a way to use one of the laws of persuasion to lower the litter amount here? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, he's using the right thing with the broken window theory. And for the listeners who don't know what that is, it's basically in a factory, for example, if it, uh, one window's get broken, it's easier for another window to get broken. Or if there's a couple socks on the floor or a couple dishes in the sink, it's easier to get more dishes in the sink. And he's done a lot of studies with this. This is from Philip Zombardo, and it's fascinating. So there he's doing the right thing. He actually did a study where he parked a car. This was in Palo Alto, California. He just parked it on the street, left it there for a few weeks to see if there was any damage done to it. Then he broke one window out, and then the vandalism and the damage just increased to that car because the one thing was already done. So making sure there's not litter there. We talked about Singapore. That's one thing he's doing right. Although the challenge is I think that would work a lot better if you're walking by. If you're driving and throwing something out the window, I'm not sure if you're strategically targeting clean areas or dirty areas. That's just plain, I guess, like you put it, laziness. (laughs) you got to wonder if people are even seeing signs. Yeah, are they seeing the signs? If you could put a big billboard in your front yard that said, help save the earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you'd have the ugly sign and you'd be saving the earth with less litter. That's one way to do it. But that might be a different verbal packaging. You know, save the earth, save the planet would be ways to do that. You probably want that sign before your house, right? Because if it's at your house, it's probably too late as the litter's already flying. I mean, one way to do it would be brutal. If they knew that there was a video camera watching them litter and that it was recording their license plate, that's easy, right? Yeah, I thought about that, too. says, you know, under surveillance or, like, get a camera out there, just use the whole Singapore fear effect. You think that's going to work? That would only work if they knew there was a consequence and they would be recorded and being sent to the police. If it was just anonymous and they didn't know they were being recorded, I don't think so. But if well, yeah, some... I think it would be more effective to make them think they're recorded without actually doing it. There we go. The then, police then are watching. Be please don't Anonymous, litter. yeah. <laughs> right? The big old camera, that, that would definitely work. I mean, you've got time and issues and other things with that. But if they knew that they were being recorded and their license plate would be sent to the police, that's the opposite. That's kind of the desperation, panic, uh-oh, it's the law type thing versus, come on, it's the right thing to do, just do it. Yeah, yeah. So the the fear tactic is a potentially a very good one. 
And then the next one is you have to take it that whole conscience thing because most of the persuasion we talk about on the show is you know get get somebody to give you money <laughs> for whatever <laughs> reason. But here that's not a thing and and the consequence to this person is pretty minimal. They're they're in a hurry, they're barreling down the highway, they've got their wrapper from McDonald's sitting in the front seat. What do I do with this? So in University of Colorado, they made an environmental plea. You're damaging something, you know, hey, my kids play on this front yard or something like that might make people stop and think. Yeah, I mean, you've got to appeal to that higher cause, doing it for the environment, helping us out. I mean, you see hotels do this all the time where it says, really, you want a new towel? You want new sheets? You're like, well, yeah. You know, you're killing the environment. <laughs> you're a hateful person. I mean, they do it in a different way. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. Those little signs. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and they're putting it on you to where, wait a minute, you're saving the millions of dollars in laundry detergent. You're putting it on me, and it's quite effective strategy to where not only do they put it on you, but they use words like let's and together versus you, you, you. And so we're part of a team. We're doing it together. And that's part of that changing perspective. If you could prove that it was harming baby seals as they were throwing litter, that would have that type of effect. Again, it would be so much easier if people were walking by, you'd have more time. I think another aspect here is making it easy. I mean, a lot of times yeah. you say, please don't litter and there's no trash cans. That's, right. that's a tough thing. Again, we're driving. Do we need to put up a dumpster? Do we make it easy? Do, where's most of the litter coming from? Do we need to put a trash can there? That's a big thing all the time where it says, please don't litter, please don't do this. And they're like, well, I'd like to, but I can't. There's no trash can, right? Right. So making it easy is another part of, of this piece as far as just put a big old dumpster in your front yard <laughs> and have them shoot on the way through. That would make it easy. Again, you're talking about eyesores and a few other things, but you got to get into human nature and figure out why this is happening. I don't think that the word choice is necessarily his biggest obstacle here. I think it's attention. And, hey, when isn't that an issue in persuasion? Getting somebody's attention, right? And we don't know how fast these cars are coming or what's happening here, but he's got to do whatever he can to make them see and read a sign. And then we can bring in the whole concept of the, the giver, the chance or whatever, something along those lines or the Singapore theory, you know, big, big old bunch of cameras and you're going to get in big trouble. <laughs> and that's true. You got to get them engaged and involved what's happening. It's every aspect of persuasion. So, I mean, if they were able to throw the litter and it bounced back and hit their car, then you got something <laughs> happening there. Yeah, right. Just install very high trampolines that bounce back. But that's a tough one. Getting them engaged in the time frame there with the car. You know, I think this would be so much easier if people were walking and having time to process things. This is just happening. And it's interesting why this place is the target. That's what I need to know. Why is this place the target versus other places? And where's this trash coming from? And getting into the mindset, why are they throwing it here versus other places? I think that would also help out in finding a, a good solution. Yeah, maybe he's got some kind of controversial political sign in his front yard, or you know, maybe he's like in Boston and he's got a big old Yankee flag out front. Yeah, that could be it. You got to look at the signage that you have. Maybe it's on purpose that they're doing this to where if you have a political banner or a, even a university flag that shouldn't be there in a certain spot where most people aren't that, that would definitely cause it. That would be an interesting thing to see. Yeah, that definitely would. So attention getting is the main issue here, and, and we don't know what the, the logistics of that are. And kind of as we've been talking through this, I thought, too, you know, if you want the camera angle, I think you're going to have some legal problems. You know, there's laws about what you can record on the street and what you can't. So 
you'll probably get more trouble <laughs> by doing that. You've got to grab attention and you've got to appeal to the the conscience somehow. So his email, that's what he's planning on doing. It looks like he's going down the right road here, but the attention is, is going to be the, the big problem. So good luck, Peyton. We really appreciate you sending in the listener mail and we want, we want to hear how it goes. We find this one to be pretty interesting. So hopefully you can yeah. get this sign on display and get some data collected and run some tests on which of these signs <laughs> is going to work the best for you. What I also like to see, too, going to the root of the issue here, if all the wrappers are from McDonald's or from a convenience store up the street, there's the root of your challenge. Maybe we need to put a sign there to plant the seed to prime them about littering, and it would go way down to where you can prime people not to litter, not to cheat, to do certain things. That's what's interesting to me. Why is it there? Again, if they're all McDonald's wrappers or the convenience store up the street, that's where the sign needs to be. That's where they need to be primed because they're not thinking about it going 30, 40 miles an hour, whatever it is, as they drive by. It's a good point. I mean, depending on the county laws and, and what signage you can put up, I find it tough to think that the county would take down a sign that says, please don't litter. <laughs> Although putting up an unsolicited sign technically is yeah, littering. Shame <laughs> on you for an unsolicited yeah. sign. <laughs> yeah, but th that's a good point. Instead of maybe posting signs on his property, maybe he needs to look into the legality of posting them further up the road to get this through people's heads before they're before it's too late, before they've yeah. already made the decision. Up the road or at the source. You know, yeah. at the source. That would be a great thing to think about. Then it's not happening. It's planted to see that they don't litter. They're giving Earth a chance. They're saving the planet. They're not hurting baby seals. Then it'll make a big difference. Who are? Where is this place where these people are just chucking trash out the window? <laughs> I I like, that's why I'm just fascinated about the source of this to where, yeah. you know, if it's a vacant lot and there's a lot of trash there, but he's cleaning it up. That's what fascinates me. Vacant lots, that's easy to understand. I'm, I'm wanting to know where the source is, what's happening. And you brought up a great point about signage, right? If there is a university flag or political sign that is against most of the people in the area, that could be a whole other issue. But finding the source is what intrigues me. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty interesting. So, yeah, we'll we'll update the listeners on a good, interesting social experiment, which we're kind of suckers for. So you're always welcome to continue to send us your listener mail to maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com or tweet us at InfluenceMax, or we're on Facebook, too. We post a lot of this stuff on there, and we could even pull, post the results of Peyton's littering experiment on the Facebook page. That'd be kind of cool. So there we have it. So, Kurt, this is a concept of, of involvement. If we were to pair this up with one of the laws of persuasion, really it's law of involvement. How can we involve these people in the process? There anything else that you would want to add kind of from the macro perspective? We've been very specific to one situation today. What about the rest of our listeners and what should they keep in mind on something like this? Well, one thing we mentioned earlier I think would be very helpful for listeners to understand is that priming effect. And that's a big part of involvement and even expectations, what you expect people to do. It's kind of a, a dual law to where you can actually prime people to do what you want them to do and, and adjust their expectations with a few different things. In fact, one of the studies they did was at a university where they got brought students in, and they were doing these word puzzles, right? They were trying to solve these word puzzles, kind of like a crossword puzzle type thing. And what's interesting is half the students got rude words like obnoxious, aggressive, annoying, disturb, interrupt, and polite. And the other half got polite words like respect and courteous and patient, polite, behaved. And they were doing these word puzzles. And then when they were done, they were supposed to go talk to the proctor, the guy in charge of the exams. And someone was talking to this person and talking and talking. And they just wanted to see how fast the people would interrupt, right? The person's going to keep talking until they were interrupted. Mm -hmm. And here's what was fascinating is those that were primed with the polite words, 
didn't interrupt till 9.3 minutes on average. Mm. Those that were primed with the rude words interrupted an average of 5.5 minutes, right? <laughs> That's priming. They did another one with students. They brought them in to take a math test and made it really easy to cheat. I mean, really easy. But before they could start the test, they were asked a question. Recall two books you read in high school, and the other half were primed with, can you recall two books from the Bible, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so those that were primed with the Bible, obviously, were less likely to cheat than recall two books from high school. That's priming. And so that's something we need to think about. You can actually set the stage, create the expectations, just like they do at a restaurant, the expectation that you're going to order a drink, the expectation that you're going to give them a tip. There are a variety of things you can do. In fact, one other study that was very interesting, they showed people a math problem, and they wanted them to estimate the value just really quick. They couldn't figure it out. They had to estimate. And the first group saw the numbers 8 times 7 times 6 times 5 times 4 times 3 times 2 times 1, right? That's the number. They said estimate that. The other half saw the exact number, but in reverse, 1 times 2 times 3 times 4 all the way to 8, right? Logically, we know it's the same number. It's just in reverse order. But when it was primed with the 8 in front, the average estimation was 2,250. Hmm. But it was primed with the 1 in front, the average estimation was 512. So there's something about priming with the numbers and the expectations, and that's true with pricing and setting budgets and negotiations. But the interesting thing on this is the actual real number to this was over 40,000, if you actually do the math, but no one is even close. But that's a whole other thing about math system and learning math and <laughs> other things. But priming can be very, very helpful when you're talking about expectations, getting people involved, and understanding how you work with people. They even did this with... I believe it was second graders where they came into the classroom and the teacher handed out candy. The students unwrapped the candy and most of the wrappers made it to the floor, right? That's what kids do. You don't want them to, but that's what kids do. So they started monitoring and adjusting their expectations to where the teacher said, you know, I think this is the cleanest class I've ever had. You know, they did this over a few weeks. The vice principal comes in, hey, heard you guys are the clean class. Custodian writes on the board, thanks for being the clean class. And then two weeks later, they hand out the same type of candy, count the wrappers on the floor, and it was a huge difference because they changed the expectations, and people live up to those expectations. I mean, countless studies, especially in the school system, working with people, setting goals, goes a long way when you are trying to monitor those expectations. Good stuff on priming, Kurt. And if listeners, if you want to hear more on that, we actually talked about that clear back on episode 13 of Maximize Your Influence. So... A good way to access that is just go to universityofpersuasion.com, and here's the catch. you got to sign up, but guess what? It's free. So we're going to bother you with useful emails from time to time if you sign up at uh, universityofpersuasion.com. But you can go there and access all the archived past episodes. Episode 13 is the one you want to learn a little bit more about that topic. And that's the key. When you create the right expectation, the right atmosphere, when you can prime people, it makes it much easier to influence. I mean, we need to have those expectations. We need to have goals set for us. Now, they can't be unrealistic goals, but they need to have goals. When you set goals, people perform better. That's part of expectations. That's part of priming. In fact, they went to a production plant. They had two new shifts. In the first shift, they said, oh, just, just try your best. Give us your best. In the second shift, okay, here are your goals. Here are the expectations. This is what you need to accomplish. And we both know, and everyone knows, it's no secret that the second group accomplished three times more. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> okay, everybody. Well, we appreciate you listening today. This was episode 115 of Maximize Your Influence. We're going to be back again next week for another episode. But as always, if you think of anything that you'd like to ask, anything you'd like to float past us, 
maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com is the email address, and influencemax is the Twitter handle. So feel free to send us your comments, questions, derogatory remarks, and insults, and great recipes, and sports picks, whatever else you deem necessary to that address. We'll catch you next week on another episode. Take care, and we'll see you next week. 